So in the 1980s, an ecotherapy trend rooted in age-old traditions took hold in Japan. It's called Shinrin-yoku, or for, you know about this, Mika. Mika's Japanese. <laughs> but I'm only saying that because you, you said something. Um, it's called forest bathing, or taking in the atmosphere of the forest. And it didn't take long for scientists to be able to find ways to quantify the benefits of the practice. Forest bathing had really beautiful health outcomes. For example, it's known that evergreens release a whole lot of what are called phytoncides, which are something science-y, but good. And the evergreens give this phytoncide shower, which actually gives you a, an immunity boost, which we all need right now, right? That can last for weeks on end. And of course, the truth is that nature gives us all kinds of gifts. Last week here in church, we talked about bearing fruit, bearing good fruit. And that's an obvious gift of nature. But as Robin Wall Kimmerer put it, has anyone read this wonderful book, Bathing Sweetgrass? If not, you should. Okay, Megan has. But it is really, really wonderful. wonderful. But anyway, in this book, she says this. Plants know how to make food and medicine from light and water, and then they just give it away. They give it away. And when you bathe yourself in the forest, or more generally, when you green bathe, you are giving yourself the chance to bathe yourself in gifts that are given freely and in abundance. We bathe in many things. Water, obviously, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But if you think more expansively, what are you right now immersed in? I mean this metaphorically, of course. What are we immersed in? For better or for worse, we are certainly immersed in our surrounding culture. We bathe in consumerism, in the military-industrial complex, in the air we pollute with abandon. We bathe in many things. And it helps when we're conscious of that so that we can make some intentional choices about what we immerse ourselves in, what we're awash with, if you will. And a bath, the things we bathe in, is a gift when it's freely given. It is a curse when it comes with a price. Now, when my child first began her pursuit to be baptized, she kept asking again and again, Mama, when can I get baptized? Actually, she said, Mama, when can I get, the word she used was, baptized, which I like quite a bit. And you see, before she was born, Patrick, my husband, her father, and I had made some choices about what we were going to do with baptism. And we decided we were going to wait a little while. Now, I delightedly baptized lots of babies, some of whom are here now and are teenagers. I see you. <laughs> and I love that. It's one of my actually, literally, one of my very favorite things to do in the whole world. But with our child, we decided to do something different because we wanted her to be able to remember 
her baptism. We wanted to remember her to be able to remember being baptized. And we wanted her to have a sense of what it means to be baptized. I mean, who truly understands the sacraments? Professors in the room, right? I know I don't necessarily. But we wanted it at least to be meaningful to her, a memory that she could hold and cherish. In many indigenous cultures, there's an understanding that ritual or ceremony reminds us to remember. It's a reminder to remember. And we wanted our baby through this ritual to remember. So I asked her, why do you want to be baptized so badly? What does it even mean to you? And she gave me two answers, two answers that I will never forget, and I want you to remember them too. Now, of course, don't put her on the spot and ask her about any of this, but she said it's okay to share this, because I learned from it. First, she said, it's like taking a bath that lasts forever. And second, it makes my family huge. And that's about as good an explanation of baptism as I've ever heard, and as, as good as you'll hear. It's a bath that lasts forever, and it makes our family huge. When Jesus joined John on the banks of the River Jordan to be baptized himself, something really incredible happened. The heavens opened. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And a voice from heaven came and, and said, This is my son, my child, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. I know many of you come from traditions, or some of you come from traditions, where you're encouraged to memorize Bible verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him may, right, shall not perish but have eternal life. They have some other phrases that they want you to memorize, and that's fine if you want to do that, but if you memorize anything, let it be this. This is my child, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. If you forget everything else, if you are bathed in everything else that they want to bathe you in, if you could just remember that, you are God's child. God's beloved, in whom God is well pleased. That, that right there, that affirmation, that confirmation of who you are, what you are, and God, how God feels about you, that is what we bathe in when we're baptized. We are bathed in God's love, not just once, but forever we receive the Holy Spirit, which will never leave you nor forsake you. You are marked with the seal of Christ now and forever. And that gift is freely given. There is no price tag on a blessing, y'all. Remember that. There is no price tag on a blessing. That's just not how God works. Mm -mm, this blessing is a gift that's given for free. It lasts forever, and in a world that wants to charge you for something, see how different that is in church. No, God is not charging you for one thing. That's number one. Number two, it makes your family huge. 
Because yes, when you're baptized, you bathe in holy consecrated water, waters, and you're bathed in the Holy Spirit forever. But that spirit isn't just for you, it's for all of us. It's for everyone, in fact. The spirit is the connective tissue of life. It binds us all together. It is our breath, it is our life, it is our eternal blessing. Being sealed with the sign of Christ places you very specifically in Jesus' family. It builds you a room in God's mansion prepared just for you. And as life turned out, Patrick and I were one and done. This child isn't only, but no more. Now and today, she gets some incredible, brilliant God sisters and a God brother who she has very carefully chosen. Chandi, Dylan and Sarah, Jake and Clara and Amelia. She was very, very intentional about who her godparents and god sisters and brother would be because that really mattered to her, matters to her. She, she chose them. We didn't even. Chaley chose her god family. And yes, she gets the godparents she chose today, but that's not all. Her spiritual family is endless. It is endless. And now she will be counted among that number. And that's the beautiful thing that we do as a congregation when we baptize someone. We receive them into Jesus's family and we make promises to each other because they matter. We make promises to support one another and to try to figure out how it is that we can more closely follow Jesus because we need to. This world needs it. Falling and stumbling and forgetting what Jesus did and who he was and what he required and what he cared about is part of how we are surrounded and bathed in so much injustice. But whether or not we call on Jesus by name, if we could just follow what God has done, what God intends for us, if we could act and treat each other like family no matter what, in the healthy way, imagine where this world could go. Now, as with any family, it's not like we're all going to like each other in this family of baptized people. Conflict is part of the human condition, at least for now, and that certainly doesn't end with the ritual. Don't ask me about what some folks are up to right now in Jesus' name, right? But in Jesus' family, we are supposed to have a bond, and in fact we do. And there is a connection, and there is covenant, and there is promise, and there is grace. And if we could just put that first, imagine where we'd be. So we celebrate that today. In the lead-up today, we had many, many conversations about the immersive part of this child's baptism. See, for her, she's taking a bath, the same bath that Jesus took. It's a forever bath where God and she make promises to each other, and that's her understanding. And so she said to me, but Mama, so if I'm taking a bath, why do I have to do that in front of everybody? And I said, well, that's a great question, my dear, because it's the tradition, you know, we do this as a community, da, da, had my answers. And she said, but why would I do that in front of everybody again? And for her, it's like a bath. She didn't want to do that in front of us. 
so she didn't. We did this somewhere else. The immersion has happened in privacy and intimacy in the setting she has asked for. And the reason for that is that she asked for it and we believe in the autonomy of bodies. Because God didn't ask her to come here and be bathed in front of you. And we believe that what we believe and want for our bodies comes first. So we're not going to ask anything of her that God didn't ask. So the Reverend Dr. Dean Nichelle Guidry flew all the way up to Atlanta, took her in a pool, immersed her in the waters. And for us here and now today, what we are going to do in respect of her bodily autonomy is that we're going to bless that. We're going to consecrate her godparents. We're going to have a chance to do what is so important for church community to do. It is to witness to what God has done in her. We will make some promises to each other. We will welcome her into Jesus's family. We're going to join her in reaching into eternity. And we're going to affirm not just for her, but for all of us, that you are God's child, God's beloved, in whom God is well pleased. And we bathe in that. We bathe in that affirmation from God, who, unlike what some people will tell you, absolutely does not hate you, but loves you. Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to condemn it. That comes right after John 3.16, by the way. I came to save you from it. And the devil will teach you that you're nothing. The devil says, you're unlovable. The devil says, you can never get it right. We've heard that voice. But let me tell you as we wrap up something about God. Because God says something quite different to you. I know you have your doubts. I know that we all have our shortcomings. I know that we all have our failings. God says, I know and I see it every time that you stumble. I know what makes you tremble in the night. I know your shame. I know your troubles. I know all this. But you bathe in this gorgeous truth. No matter what happens, none of that matters to me. You're mine. You are my child, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. You, yes, you, and that applies to you, not in spite of those things, but through them. Your troubles, your shortcomings, your failures, none of that is who you are to me. And don't you dare listen to anyone who would tell you differently. You were born to bathe in God's love. That's your birthright. That is your place in the world. That is who you are, God's child, God's beloved, and whom God is well pleased. So get your victory, church. Adjust your crown. Bathe in God's love. Lap it up and immerse yourself and get your blessing because it's all yours from these waters, from these very waters. We rise. Rise in spirit and power and victory. And let the church say, amen. Amen. amen.